0: This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And buckle up, folks. This is going to be a good one, I bet. We are coming to you on a Wednesday night. I am about uh, 20 minutes or so fresh back inside my apartment from Wrigley Field where the Cubs dropped the finale of this series on Wednesday night and thus two of three to the Milwaukee Brewers the division lead is a single game so as we head into the final weeks of the season it's on folks this is uh, not going to be easy and that's just where we are so we will look at these three games with the Brewers. We will preview the absolute atrocity happening tomorrow in Washington on Thursday, and we will take a look at the three-game set with the Cincinnati Reds who, you know, of course, conveniently are fresh off of taking two of three from the Dodgers. So good to see that they're, uh, you know, sputtering to the end here, certainly not getting all excited to play spoiler here to the Chicago Cubs, whom I'm sure the Cincinnati Reds have a deep-seated affection for. But let's just get to it. I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time breaking these games down. I think there's just uh, a little more on everybody's mind. But before I do that, I just want to preface all of this because I have no clue where this is going to go, folks. Brendan and I did not talk much before we got on here. Um, (laughs) So all I'm going to say is this. It is September 12th as we are recording this. The Chicago Cubs are in first place. They are still the best team in the National League, and wherever it goes from here— I just want to make sure that we point that out, because in all of this, is it, it is important to keep perspective. Brendan and I are as pissed off as anybody uh, as for how Wednesday night's game went and this whole series with the Brewers. But right now, if the season ended, the Cubs would be the champions of the NL Central, and they would host the playoffs throughout the NL. So let's not you know, talk about them as if they're some bottom dwell Let's not talk about them as if they're the Cincinnati Reds. How about that? Okay? Anyway. The Cubs drop the opener on Monday, 3-2. to two. Not uh, particularly much to decipher in this game. Josh Hader playing a big role in this one, striking out six batters in two innings of work. As we've seen in earlier parts of this season, the Cubs do little to solve Wade Miley, who was very good. John Lesser was also very good in countering him, but the Cubs are not able to finish off the comeback attempt late in this one. The Brewers getting the winning run in the top of the sixth inning on a wild pitch from Carl Edwards Jr., I don't think he would have had him at the plate, but always good to see that Carl couldn't be bothered to cover home plate. Not a pennant race or anything. Take your time there, buddy. Okay, on Tuesday, the Cubs winning 3 to nothing behind a huge effort from Jose Quintana, six and two-thirds of excellent shutout baseball from Jose. He walks two, strikes out seven, only allows three hits in this one, I think. You know, that's that's really the story in this one. Victor Caratini driving in a few runs. He had a very nice offensive game. But Jose Quintana was the story in this game. He has... Uh Dominated the Brewers throughout his time with the Chicago Cubs, and Tuesday night's start was no different. And, you know, especially considering how things play out on Wednesday, you look at that one and think, man, Q really stepped up for this team on Tuesday night. And as we've alluded to before, that was the guy you traded for. Uh, the, the price doesn't matter, but you, you traded for a top of the rotation arm who could give you big starts in pennant races. And that is what Jose Quintana did. So all the credit in the world uh, for Tuesday to number 62. And on Wednesday, it was another close affair until the end. So, you know, this whole series basically comes down to a a few plays, a run here or there. And uh, that is the story for the Brewers taking two of three. But in this one, the Brewers winning five to one. And Brendan, stop me if you were expecting this uh, but I I really could have lived in 2018 Brendan I really could have lived without Curtis. Granderson, There was going to be an expletive there, I swear, but I, I'm doing my best here. It's going to be a struggle tonight, folks, but there was there was number one if you're counting on them. I'm pretty sure Corey was about to swear. Uh, meter. Curtis Granderson uh, basically winning this game for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, he scores a few runs. He leads off the game with a triple that hit off the front of the basket twice. I've certainly never seen that happen before. Um, and then he hits a home run in uh, the late innings to give the Brewers a 3-1 to lead. They would add on two more when Joe decided that apparently Brandon Kinsler and Brian Dunsing needed to enter a game against the Brewers uh, in September. I'll leave that one alone for now. Uh, and that was about it. The Cubs' lone run coming on a Chris Bryant double, a really well-struck ball, a pretty good game overall for KB, uh, very nearly a home run but alas it was not and the brewers make that second run hold up through the night five to one the final and again the brewers take two of three here in chicago that is the last these two teams will see each other in the regular season and the cubs currently holding a one game lead in the division it is still a two game lead in the loss column so we've been kind of drumming up the importance of that for a while now but way more important now so uh two game lead in the loss column brendan i i have nothing else this was not good this was very frustrating and i think you know unfortunately with the way the travel is set up the fact that the cubs uh, at least as we're recording this are going to washington that whole thing has not been uh, rescheduled moved or anything like that there's i i think a good bit to be worried about and i you know some of it is not necessarily within the cubs control but when you look at you've got a couple weeks here against a very good milwaukee brewers team this is not two teams with you know 70 wins battling for you know some cheap division title right like these are two very good teams and unfortunately there's some some health issues and some scheduling issues. Not really working with the Cubs here, uh, and I don't mean to excuse things, but it's this stuff is not coming at a good time. So I'll just defer to you. Take us in whatever direction you want, my friend.
1: Oh boy, uh, <laughs> you know it's always hard to do these podcasts, Corey, after losses like this and just the, the general state. Of the team going through these these doles, but like the biggest issue is not that the Cubs are slumping per se, of course they're slumping, but guys, they're fatigued. Like this team is gassed, and they have every reason to be gassed. They completed a long road trip, they've played consecutively now. What is it? We're approaching 30 days, but by the end of next week. It will have been 33, I believe, straight days with a scheduled game. That's ridiculous. Like, right now, they're on a plane to Washington. It's, what is it? It's 12.30 a.m. in Washington, D.C. The, the Cubs are probably just getting to the airport right now. That's unacceptable. That is completely irresponsible by Major League Baseball to do that. Given, one, there's a hurricane on the southern-eastern portion of this country that could threaten the game tomorrow, rain-wise. Ridiculous, Corey, that they would do this, that that Major League Baseball would do this. And that's that's my concern. My concern is, you know, of course, guys like Wilson Contreras and Albert Almora and Ian Happ are not playing up to standards. C.J. Edwards is not pitching up to standards. But they're fatigued. That's what it is. They're fatigued, and they're going. They're not going to get an off day until next Thursday. They have to go. They have to go to Arizona on Sunday. They have to fly across the country. They're going to have three flights in four days, one of which is across the country to Arizona. In a, in a very difficult environment for them historically. This is unacceptable, Corey. So that's where I'm at. I mean, I I, I got to say over the course what is this this is our third full season now you and I are doing the podcast together during a regular season podcast this is probably one where I'm most irritated I guess is the right word and again this has nothing to do with the Cubs lack of lack of effort or the Cubs inability to score runs or pitch out of situations it's 100% geared towards a kind of like a helplessness like you just like this team, of course, justifiably so, is running out of gas. The Brewers have an off day tomorrow. They're catching steam. They're not in the same Cubs position right now. So that's where I am, Corey. I think if they start playing well towards the tail end of the season, I won't be surprised. But we're, we're reaching a point now in the middle of September where it's like, man, can this team get healthy? Can they, can they get rested up in time to catch the Brewers? That's my main issue right now.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, again, it, it is difficult for a discussion around, especially the situation with the trip to Washington on Thursday, to not.
1: I mean, what a joke! Yeah, uh, it, it's difficult
0: joke. for that not to sound, you know, as if people are complaining or anything like that. And but it's the reality yeah, I mean, look, of the situation. You can call it whatever you want. I'm more than I happy mean, like, to, Corey, like, I'm... you know, wear the <laughs> the badge of whining about it. It's I, yeah, unfortunate. I, don't, I don't care. It, I'm it's a bad situation I mean, obviously- for the team. They're they're playing yeah. almost a month's worth of baseball without any rest and there's i mean if you you know you want to write that off as oh you know every team goes through stuff whatever nobody's done this and i'd also point you to the brewers had a stretch earlier in the year where i believe they played 21 games in a row without an off day. They lost the final six games of that stretch. So and this is September. Right. Like... This it, is the end of the season. It's just something where it's like this This obviously affects you It's irresponsible. If, if you yeah. had to work without, you know, the weekend for a month, you'd be tired. Uh, you know, it just... It is what it is. And when this stuff is... You know, the margins are so razor thin, you know, it's... it's this stuff matters. And it is worth, I think... Uh, Talking about and complaining about a little bit. It's 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 an unfortunate situation. And it really compounds. The biggest problem is that this type of stuff, this lack of rest, this constant travel, et cetera, it really compounds some of the issues that the Cubs just have in general. You have a lineup where at this point, and Joe literally admitted as much, he literally said that the lineup falls off a cliff after the four or five.
1: <laughs> I mean, word by word, he that said, verbatim, that's not me cliff. saying that. He Joe said Madden. that. Yeah. And
0: you know, that, that is an issue that gets compounded when guys like Rizzo, Bryant, Zobrist, you know, Murphy hasn't hit in a bit, but you know, he's a consistent bat over his career like, when those guys also aren't getting rest, it just makes everything that much harder. You have Almora— By the
1: way, all four of those guys have been injured this year, too. Like, people right. forget Murphy was dealing with an injury. Yeah, I and mean, he only came
0: back a couple months ago.
1: That's what I'm yeah. saying. These are veteran players. They have injuries. They've all been on the deal at right. some point within the last and year. <laughs> You know, the,
0: the the biggest problem to me right now—well, I mean, I assume it's everybody—but it's just that you have a group of offensive players that Joe cannot rely on. They, they are not producing, and you need them to produce. And I, for whatever reason, in that first group didn't include Javi, but he might be the person that needs the rest the most. I mean, he has carried this team for a huge portion of this year— and his first full season to playing this right much, and you like, just
1: on a daily you basis know, you run
0: into a point where he can't literally carry the whole team for the entire year it's just not a realistic expectation and you know you have guys like almora hap wilson Contreras, russell and even david bode recently none of them are playing well as far as at the plate is concerned. Some some of these guys have to play. Schwarber's dealing with a back thing, though he's, I think, expected to be back on Friday. Hayward's still dealing with his hamstring thing. And then you've got these other guys that you, ha- you have to play, but I, this is easily... And, you know, you can chalk it up to whatever you want. I know a lot of people are, are, you know, ready to run Chili Davis out of town. I'm not necessarily (laughs) not amongst that group. I don't have my pitchfork yet, but, uh, you know, I I understand where they're coming from. But this is the worst Wilson Contreras has looked in his entire career, like bar none. He's caught almost 100 innings more than the next catcher in the National League, which I believe is Tucker Barnhart of the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, that's almost 10 games of catching he has caught more than the next person it's obviously caught up to him and and the problem and why i think everybody's griping about this travel situation is there's two weeks left so like we've talked about with some of these other guys there's no runway left it needs to happen now and you're looking at it going i i don't know how you get wilson right in three weeks Two weeks. Half the lineup, right? I just don't know how it happens. (laughs) And, you know, we've we've gone through some of the numbers with some of these guys. But, I mean, Ian Happ looks as bad as he has all year. He's swinging through fastballs right over the middle of the plate. He's taking pitches over the plate as if he has no clue what's coming. Almora, I mean, woof on him at at the plate. And I I don't know, man. (laughs) You know, I mean, you, you need those big guys to step up. But again, like you point out, like when they've all dealt with injury stuff, Chris Bryant clearly is not, you know, the the peak version of himself. He had a great game tonight and he continues to hit the ball pretty well. But
1: I got to say, not, if there is one encouraging aspect of the series, it is Q. But Bryant in that last game kind of, you know, great. gave me a little bit of relief. The only know. thing, though, is that he's not peak
0: Chris Bryant, which matters. Like it's a slightly different player. Like this is not the 40 bomb person that we've seen. This is more of a gap hitter on base guy, which is great. He's a phenomenal player. He had a great game on Wednesday, but it's important to note that as half the lineup is cascading in on itself that, you know, they did not get back the 2016 MVP in their lineup. They've got as Joe mentioned before he came back, a less than hundred percent strength Chris Bryant, and you just got these other guys, you know, trying to carry the offense, and it's just not working. Um, so, uh, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm getting more upset as I'm listening to you. No, talk, it, I, I, I like was <laughs> not attempting to
1: help anybody. So, <laughs> I mean, like if if you wanted this cathartic podcast, you're going to get it. This is the reality of the situation here. Like. <laughs> I mean even when you said two weeks left in the season like like it's legitimately two ga- two weeks left there's 17 games left so I I don't know I think if we're going to talk in in positives I think one oh by, by the way we didn't even <laughs> we did not even mention Lester left his start with back tightness so I mean just keep piling it on and whether or not that's influenced by that rain in Washington on, on last Friday and him having to postpone his start three days later, maybe that's a contributing factor. Who knows? But this is, you want to talk about worst-case scenario right now? Like, this is probably worst-case scenario. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I again, here's the silver lining in all of this. One is you do have a lot of guys on this team who could turn it around? Okay. So there's a lot of quality players. And even if a few of them just get hot, maybe, who knows? Maybe Contreras does, you know, get his stuff going. I doubt it, but whatever. Maybe Hap gets through. Maybe Amora starts heating up. Maybe Bias starts heating up. There's so many guys struggling at the same time. Maybe just a handful of them can get hot at the right time. And you can kind of push your way towards the end of these next two and a half weeks rest up if they're fortunate enough to get to the playoffs i can't even believe i'm saying that right now that's well, the reality, i mean what we're to be
0: fair about. it would take a really explosive next couple of weeks for them to not even be a wild
1: card team what is it they're up like if you include the cardinals to like what four and a half five yeah, and a half up so. or whatever it is okay I mean ugh, still that wild card game. I do not want to play a wild card game. We don't, have, we don't have we don't have Jake to, do to
0: throw out there this time.
1: <laughs> oh, come back Arietta guy. I never thought I would miss him so much. Actually I I did. Uh but yeah, okay, Corey. So that's that's kind of where I think things could turn around. Um Arizona's been struggling a little bit recently, so they do fly to Arizona in the weekend and they can and they can maybe catch a few breaks there I don't know it's just like going through these different permutations in my mind of how this could turn around Ah, oh, I think it's a gamble I think it's a gamble even to assume that one or two guys can get things going here but at the very least hopefully Johnny can come back Lester can come back uh healthy Q can continue to pitch well Hamels continues to pitch well and if Carl can get things going I, I gotta say too one other I guess silver lining if we're trying to be positive amidst this complete disaster of a week Carl did look better in that Wednesday outing I know he left early but to be fair after that first batter he did settle down he still hit his spots he got a little little dinker of a base hit that kind of forced him out of the game but overall I thought he did look better um so yeah man that's that's where I'm at it's it's difficult to get your, your head wrapped around what's what you're seeing. I, in, in my wildest nightmares two weeks ago, I would have never expected that you and I would be on this podcast talking about these types of situations. It, it would, it didn't even cross my mind. This would even be a reality. Well, and it's,
0: it's especially frustrating too, because again, like I pointed out, I, like the, the pitching for the most part really did enough to win this series. You got really good starts, from everybody, basically. You know, Hendricks gets taken out short tonight, but that was, you know, sort of just the situation of where the lineup was and, and trying to score runs before the Brewers bullpen, you know, really took over. But, you know, Lester was good. Quintana was great. Hendricks was good. The relief pitching, for the most part, aside from that, uh you know, wild pitch from Carl and the clown show that Joe brought in today, it, 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 every aspect of the game was was pretty good for the cubs except for the offense but i i think why it's particularly exacerbating and you know really stressing people out right now is what we're talking about is that it's just like it it really is difficult to look at right now and like you you're really honestly hoping that one of these guys just gets hot not necessarily out of nowhere but you know, again, like we've been reading these stats on guys like Hap and Elmora for quite a while now, and the numbers are really
1: bad. I mean, all of them. I read it a few days ago in the last podcast. Bodie, Hap, Elmora all have wobas under 300 in their last what is it, 50 or 60 plate appearances. That's, I mean, that's completely that's that's nailing this team right. in right now. That's the reality. And of it. you know,
0: I I, um, I said to you. I think in our chat on Tuesday that when Caratini lined that ball into the left field corner, I asked this honestly. I I love Wilson Contreras, so I'm not nobody's. We're never taking digs at these guys. I don't want to do that, but I honestly cannot remember the last time Wilson hit a ball that well—a line drive down the line into the corner. (laughs) I literally couldn't tell you the last time Wilson hit a ball with that much authority. And again, we've gone over this. Time and time again about the the different variables kind of affecting Wilson Contreras, but it at the end of the day it doesn't really matter right now what the cause is. You can get into that in the off season. Is it the workload? Is he hiding an injury? Is it what Chili Davis is asking him to do? I don't know, but I, I mean he's he's under two sixty after the game tonight, I, and that's crazy
1: from where he was. Can I make an observation too of, of course. Okay, so I don't know if I mean. You and I are not going to get into the mechanics of hitting, right? I mean, we're not qualified to do that. I do notice these things, though. Over the last week and a half, he he's not doing that toe tap thing anymore. Like, I don't know. like Do you know what I'm talking about? He'd look, look a little tiny yeah. like Miguel Cabrera. Okay. He's not doing that anymore. And he's looking like his rookie self where he just kind of has an open stance. He just takes a little bit of a leg kick and he strides. So no more toe tap. That suggests... I'm not going to get into the mechanics, maybe more the mental side, but that suggests he's searching for answers and he's going to great lengths to find answers. And when you're making changes like that in mid-September, you're desperate, man. Wilson is desperate to try to figure this out. And in that last at-bat of Wednesday's game, like he's looking at fastballs low in the zone. He's completely out in front on breaking pitches. He's not tracking pitches whatsoever. And again, you can point to fatigue and 100% that's contributing. No doubt about that. But it's extremely discouraging to see him in that desperation mode, trying to change the mechanics, trying to search for answers, going back and forth between open stance, a little bit more of a closed stance. Like, that's, that's the most irritating thing. And right. I. I, I don't know. It's not the time to be messing with that, but I... Well, and look, I mean, it, just because in...
0: we're talking about it, he's... And this is... I, I'm i doing this, this quick math here, which you guys know I'm not good at, but uh, th- this <laughs> is like within, oh I think, five or ten points, but Wilson's OPS over his last uh, 30 games, about 90... Let me see here, 93 at-bats, uh, is 516 <laughs> for reference... Uh, Even when Hayward was at his worst, when Montero was at his worst, they were never under a 600 OPS. Uh, They hovered around it at their worst, but never were they under a 600 OPS. 516 is astonishingly bad, and Almora's in his last 30 games is right there. I assume, without looking at it, Ian Haps has got to be—there's no way his is any better— you know, and I'm sure Russell's is just as bad. So it's like, you know, and, and part of this, I think too, goes back to our many conversations of kind of like giving Joe a, a little nod of appreciation here because this, some of this stuff is a no win situation for him. You know, you look at bringing in Edwards into that game. I know a lot of people didn't like him coming into that game on Monday and I didn't either, but, you have to get these guys pitching at some point because then two days later Joe's getting people like me complaining that Kinsler and Dunsinger are in the game and it's like okay well yeah. I can't throw Steve Ciszek every day he's the one that gives up the home run to Granderson and Ciszek is i I've, you would think right at some point he he's he was the one who they rode the most because Darvish and Chatwood were a total mess that's not Joe's fault Somebody has to pitch. Somebody has to try to win these games. So you're you're going to pay for some of this stuff eventually, and it's the same right. with the offense. He takes out those guys. He lets Listella and Caratini start a game. Everybody complains about that. Caratini has a good game. Listella doesn't. Nobody wants to see him again. He puts Moore in. He doesn't hit. He puts Happ in. He doesn't hit. He Bodie. puts Bodie in. <laughs> he doesn't hit. He puts Russell in. He doesn't hit. It, it, it's at a certain point. It's like. You have to at least, I think, tip your cap a little bit to Joe, just in the sense of he's trying, he's trying to mix this up and trying to make this work. But when you're you have some guys pressing, you have some guys hurt, and just you know some guys like really like viciously underperforming. I mean, guys, a five sixteen OPS over thirty games is so bad. That's so bad. It's like even reading that, I can barely fathom how bad that is. And actually this reminds me of a, a conversation I was having on Twitter with one of our listeners, Ryan, who joked on Twitter that if they needed a sack fly, I think in the in the Monday game, you know, you had Elmora, Lester, and Russell making up the, the <laughs> bottom of the lineup or Wilson Elmora, Russell, Lester, whatever it was, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I wrote back to him that Lester was the one who was most likely to smack a ball if you needed a sack fly and I not only was I not kidding when I said that I also wasn't wrong John Lester had a sack fly later in that game and it's it's not funny I didn't say it to be funny it's true when you watch the game I was legitimately more confident in the swings and approach that John Lester had than those guys at the bottom of the order. And it's just where they are right now. And I, again, like we have talked so much, like I believe in the talent of all of these guys. Would I commit to them being everyday players? You know, not necessarily, but I don't believe that this is like Elmora is not a 516 OPS player. Neither's Hap, neither's Russell, neither's Wilson. Like none of these guys are. But again, there's what, 16 games left?
1: That's it. games left.
0: It's a small yeah. sample. You know, we, we you can see anything in a small sample. And that's yeah. the problem, is that it's like it doesn't matter right now, you know, what we expect these guys to be or what their career projections are. We need them to perform right now, and they're not. And I I don't—other than, you know, t- waking up the next day, strapping it on, and going for it again, I, I don't know what else they can do. They're, they're not going to magically— get some new hitter you know like this is
1: the group they they have to figure it out and they have to figure it out quick yeah so hindsight's 2020 but and i i know putting in waiver claims it's difficult for the cubs because where they are in the standings a lot of guys whom they claim don't fall to them but i i do gotta say Corey, i am disappointed that wilson's had no backup catcher the entire year dude and so, of course, you can, you can prepare for all these injuries and you can accumulate as much depth as possible, but they didn't do that at the catcher position. They didn't do it. They relied on Chris Jimenez, Bobby Wilson. I haven't even seen Bobby Wilson. Is he even going to play for the... Like, I haven't seen him at all. There's no backup catcher. Victor Caratini, as, as well as he's played over the last week, he's been a no-show the entire year. He hasn't been able to adjust to major league pitching. It's difficult. I don't blame him, but when you look at Wilson in having to start ten more games than the next catcher, there's no, it's no shock that he's fatigued right now. There's no shock whatsoever. So I don't know where I'm going with this, but I do think hindsight's twenty twenty. But going into the year, man, like. Man, I wonder if things would be different if they had a backup catcher that was that was a little bit more qualified defensively and and could shoulder the load during times like these when Wilson's struggling and it's just it's disappointing and I think when it comes to that that same thought with the bullpen like Joe has to go out and and shuttle in Kinsler and Dunsing in the ninth inning, granted. For the most part of this season, the Cubs had the best bullpen in the National League from most metrics. They had Mario clicking. They had, you know, Carl Edwards Jr. was walking under four batters per nine innings. That was like a miracle given what we saw last year. Steve Cizik was on a roll. Wilson was turning it around. So it's not as if this bullpen kind of was doomed to fail. It wasn't. It's just kind of the worst-case scenario at this time with with the with the injury tomorrow and Carl going down uh, the tube here a little bit with his shoulder fatigued. But I guess my 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 main issue from a roster construction standpoint is that backup catcher and to see Wilson struggle like this, the power is zapped. He's clearly trying to figure things out. You have to think. Like what if, right? What if they actually had a backup catcher whom they signed in the offseason to shoulder some of this load?
0: Right. I, I mean, look. Uh, again, I, I can't. I can't stress this enough that this is, and, and I. And I think that it, it kind of goes with the whole thing too because I, I see this a lot you know people talking about like you know in a series like this when the lead drops down you know the cubs blowing the division and and stuff like that i i don't i don't buy it i like they're not blowing anything they were trailing the division up until the all star break and they took the lead like you can't really blow a division lead that you had for 2 months all right um or blow in the like oh the cubs are choking type sense like that's nonsense okay the brewers are really good they're the two best teams in the NL all right. Like this stuff happens, but I, I just can't stress enough that like, I don't, none of this is meant to be like that, like an indictment of this group that, that, that we think this offense is, is bad. It, like, I don't, I don't think that's the case. It it just is what's happening right now. And again, like there just isn't time left. You know, we don't have time for these guys to get healthy. Even you look at someone like Schwarber and Hayward, like if Schwarber's back is bothering him for another few days it's a huge problem you know what I mean like if this were the beginning of the year or the off season you'd be like oh whatever who cares right like but there's just no time left so it's like it, it none of this is an indictment on this group it's just sometimes the way everything lines up and when stuff starts to happen is at the the worst time and that just is sort of like I I feel like what we're looking at here and you know Wilson in particular is one of those guys where it's like if this workload, is wearing on him right now. This is a bad time for that to be happening, Brennan. Like, there's just no two ways about it. It's not It's not a, oh, Wilson is bad. Like, he's put up a few years now of really quality hitting at the major league level. He's been a very productive, near top of the league in terms of production catcher in this league. This stretch of a few months or whatever, you, you know, however long it is, is not an indictment on his career, but when we're talking about the 2018 Chicago Cubs, their success or failure, and their you know attempt at winning this division, this is not good. And there there's just no other way to spin some of this stuff when you have multiple guys just uh, uh, that are an, uh, absolutely lost at the plate right now. I mean, Ian Happ in this in this Brewer series. I mean, those are some of the worst at bats I've seen from anybody all year. At, you know, and you just compound this with everything else. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's just tough.
1: Well, we were talking about this, but there's a difference between being concerned and then getting to a point where it's like almost like a helplessness. That's how I described it to you earlier. Like we're kind of past a point of being concerned and facing the reality of the situation here. Like concern for me is anticipating the worst thing possible could happen. We're, we're kind of already there right now, which I guess is kind of remarkable considering we still are up one game in this division. Um, so I guess, you know, whatever perspective you want to look at this through, maybe it is a little bit more positive than we're coming off right now. But this is it, Corey. I mean, this is... The nature that they're going to have to go through, they're going to have to go to Washington and play a game in less than 24 hours and then immediately come back to Chicago and play the Reds this weekend and then shift over to Arizona on Sunday night. This is what they've been dealt, and hopefully they can master the line of construction to get these guys adequate rest, but this is where we are. The one thing that does stand out as well is if there is a manager to handle a situation like this it may not be possible but if there's one manager to do it it is joe madden to get some of these guys rest to push different buttons to get someone like zobris a few at-bats off or a few games off or you know whatever it is joe madden he's a guy to do it and if we're talking in a week and a half again and the Cubs win a few games in a row here. The Brewers lose a few games in a row. It's a completely different scenario, and I and I understand that, but this is what they're up against. And I remember when the Cubs lost to the Dodgers last year in Joe Madden's season ending press conference, like he said, the difference between twenty seventeen and twenty sixteen was the rest at the tail end of the season in late September heading into the playoffs. And we saw what happened. The Cubs had to exhaust themselves to one win the division and two get through the Nationals. And by the time they got to the Dodgers, they were guests. They couldn't do anything. The Dodgers were rested up. They blew right by the Cubs. Brendan, just that, for
0: just for yeah. clarity, because I you know obviously I'm aware of uh the tone of this general podcast. You explained a moment ago of how the season in 2017 ended. Do you, do you mind uh, regaling us with how 2016
1: ended, though? The difference between the two. <laughs> uh, the the main difference, Corey, and people forget this, but the main difference is the Cubs won the World Series. World Series champions, the Cubs won the World Series. Ah, all right, thank you. Yeah, yeah, people forget that. Uh, but Theo was on today as well, and he was on uh, not our podcast, maybe in the future, but on 670 the score. And he was saying almost the same thing, like, this is the group that they're going to have to ride and die with. And unfortunately, like, and this is the part that kind of got me, but he was talking about playoffs and, like, hypotheticals, if we get there. And I've I've never heard Theo talk like that. So you can definitely, you can tell the state of mind he's in. And I we, we've, we've said this in the past, but imagine being in the same skybox or office as Theo Epstein right now. He's got to be livid. Corey, like he and Jed must be just throwing stuff around with MLB screwing them, going back to Washington. He's, he's that would that would be one scenario where you want to be a fly in the wall. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I'm gonna leave at the negativity there, but I, I I think there are things to be a little encouraged about if you want to dwell on the positives. Quintana and I wish I wish this podcast tone was different because I've talked about Q so much this year and how I've wanted to see him come out and and show us who he was last year and with the White Sox. And he did that. He was throwing 94. He was on fire. He was pumped up. He was hitting all the spots. He was getting whiffs with the curveball. He came up and he showed up. And unfortunately, that's not the topic of this podcast. But if there's an encouraging aspect, it is that. I think KB having a quality game on Wednesday, that's encouraging. And outside of those two performances maybe justin wilson coming in in and, and tuesday's game and locking down absolutely. that absolutely i don't even stroke. think maybe that
0: he's had some huge outings we mentioned the one in washington where he strikes out mark reynolds uh with the runner on third and less than two outs and then gets himself out of the inning and you know this was a huge effort in the in this milwaukee series and you know again he hasn't been perfect but he's been a real asset for this team and when you know again you look at the moro situation you look at carl kind of sputtering a bit it's been very important that he's been uh, as good as he has been because and it's kind was... of a... yeah yeah go it's... ahead
1: well i was gonna say that's it was it's unexpected too <laughs> and at least for me it was unexpecting to have wilson kind of turn around his season like this and who knows maybe things will happen in the next two weeks that is also unexpected. um but let me just go ahead and preview this upcoming set of games. I'm not even going to call it a series because they have to play Washington and then, then Cincinnati, but we'll do all this. Part these of me wants here. to just boo over this entire reading. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of me doesn't even want to read this, if we're being honest here. But here we are. So the Cubs, again, right now it is 1 a.m. in Washington, D.C., and the Cubs probably have not landed in D.C. yet. However, they do have a baseball game tomorrow at 3.05 p.m. Central Time. And Joe Ross will be taking the mound for the Nationals. He did pitch uh, two innings before the game was called last week. So this will officially be back to his first start of the year. He has no record, no ERA, not one inning pitched this season. Mike Montgomery will be in the mound for the Cubs. Montgomery carries a 4-5 record with a 3.85 ERA. So if that game ends, we can do the math here. If that game ends around 6.30 p.m. Central time, the Cubs probably will be back late Thursday night. They'll have a three-game set against the Cincinnati Reds starting at Wrigley Field. That game on Friday was moved back from the afternoon to a 7.05 p.m. start time in Chicago. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, but that's the second time in the history of Wrigley Field that we've actually had a Friday night game. Um, and so for that Friday night game, Cole Hamels will take the mound. Hamels this year, a total record of 9-9, nine nine, a 3.71 ERA. Of course, his numbers with the Cubs are much more uh, impressive. He'll be facing Matt Harvey, who's 7-8 and eight with a 4.87 ERA. Like Hamels, Harvey has been much better with the Reds. And then moving along here, so to finish off this three-game set, um, actually, I'm sorry, to to finish off the remaining two games on Saturday, John uh, Lester will hopefully take the mound if he has no setbacks with his back. Um, It appears as if he is healthy, so he says, but you never know. Uh, regardless, Leicester is scheduled for that Saturday game, which starts at 3.05 p.m. Central time, Leicester 15-6, and 6, a 3.57 ERA. He'll face Reed for the Reds, who's 0-2 with a 5.08 ERA. And then to finish off this three-game set on Sunday with your standard 1.20 p.m. Central start time at Wrigley Field, you have... Jose Quintana, hopefully he can show up again. Quintana, uh, despite some poor starts this year, his total slash line is pretty pretty good. A 13-9 record with a 3.97 ERA. He'll face Luis Castillo for the Reds, a pretty young electric pitcher who has command issues, hasn't strung it together yet, as you all know. Castillo is 9-12 with a 4.66 ERA. And just to read the standings here, so again, the Cubs are one game up of the Milwaukee Brewers. The Cardinals did, however, lose against the Pirates on Wednesday night, so the the, the Cardinals remained three and a half games back. Um, And surprise, this is really weird to see, just given how we're, we're... progressing this year, but the Cardinals or the rather the Brewers and the Cubs have the same quantity of wins. So the Cubs are one game up because they are two games, uh, behind the loss column for the Brewers. So that's where they are. Um, and yeah, there's still five and a half games up in the wild card. If you want to start tracking that as well, in my mind, I refuse to do that, but you guys know the MO here, 17 games left. You're going to have to, to, to come out and hopefully rest these guys up, get them back to Chicago on Friday. The lineup in Washington is going to be an interesting one. I have no predictions for that one. Who knows? Maybe we, we've yet to hear any other guys who could be up from, from Iowa, whose season's ended but could make an appearance. Who knows? Maybe we'll see Mike Freeman and Ryan Cord out there on Thursday, Corey. Who knows what we're going to see? But that, that paints the picture.
0: I mean, as it, I'm like thinking how this particular stretch could get any worse, and then I'm now I'm thinking of Mike Freeman starting the game. <laughs> so thanks
1: for that, Brendan. Um, uh, Corey, what are we going to do here, man? This I am is, uh... going
0: to read Kyle Hendricks' quote. That I am seeing on Twitter here, because I think that this most accurately represents uh, where my mind is at, and you know, ultimately, where I think we all kind of have to be, one way or another. Is it
1: a positive quote, or is it going to make me even more upset than I currently am? Well, why would Kyle Hendricks say something that's going to make you that upset? Well, you I feel like he's you? a, I feel like he's a realist. You know, I feel like someone's yeah. not going to be us. It would be Kyle.
0: Well, you know, actually, I looked at the mathematical probability of the schedule, and unfortunately, we do have reason to uh, (laughs) be—no. He is a Dartmouth grad, so you never know. Uh, He's probably running his own numbers. He says this on where the Cubs' clubhouse is mentally, this quote uh, from Tony Andraki from NBC Chicago. Kyle says, "'Same place we've always been, maybe a little tired, to be honest. Obviously, it's been a tough stretch for us, but we're fine.' We know where we are. We know where we want to get to. We always have confidence in the group we have in the clubhouse. We know what needs to be done. Now we go to D.C., try to win that ballgame. That's it. Step one. That's it. I I don't know any other way to put it. And, you know, again, we run through kind of the the frustrating portions Mm -hmm. of this series with the Brewers, but they have a game tomorrow. I hope that everybody's safe and you know in that situation, not just as it relates to the, the ball game, but just obviously there's a hurricane. So um <laughs> I, I hope that everybody's you know safe with that because it I mean, you know what it's what's going of, on here. Seriously, it does what is feel like on? the MLB is being a little flippant about it all. I mean, give
1: me a break. Making like is this, people this real work, life
0: maybe you know, having fans at the game it, it doesn't seem like a good idea, but I, I don't know. But the cause <laughs> I mean, what is going are on are in first place they need to show up tomorrow and win. You come back to Chicago, you have the Reds. The Reds are a, a pesky team. We've, we've gone through this a million times that there's no shame in losing to the Reds, Man, I, I and they are too. not some pushover team that is is just going to let you walk all over them, right? But at the end of the day, the Cubs have a one-game lead, a two-game lead in the loss column, on first place in the National League Central in mid-September here. They get... A non-competitive, non-playoff team in Washington, and the same in the Cincinnati Reds. There, you have to show up. You got to strap it on, and you got to win ball games. That's it. The Brewers are very good. The Brewers edged the Cubs out in these last two series. They were both very close. I think most of those games. I think aside from the one that the Cubs kind of run away with, um, and the Brewers also run away with one, but. A lot of these games, very close. This entire series at Wrigley Field here was extremely close. The five-to-one score on Wednesday night, I think, kind of skews things a little bit. That was a very winnable game for the Chicago Cubs. It was two to one in the late innings. That game was right there. So yep, 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 yep. at the end of the day, I don't know what you do about the second half of the order again it was sort of unprecedented for joe madden to say something like that about the offense falling off a cliff after a certain point in the order but i think it speaks to exactly what we're we're looking at and that's just the reality so you need to get somebody in there to provide a spark you got a little one on tuesday from victor caratini and you just you need guys to keep stepping up to take the pressure off of the big guys Who are not getting rest they've been dealing with injuries and they just can't be expected to carry the load the entire year when you look back across since 2015 it's never been about one player on this team You, you look at how they've gotten through the playoffs who's gotten the big hits in some of these games it's never just been one guy it's never been Rizzo you know doing everything it's never been Baez doing everything it's been contributions from all parts of the order different you know young guys old guys and they they just need to find a way to grind this out they got really good starting pitching in this series again for the most part even dealing with some key injuries the bullpen has been very good on the whole the Brandon Morrow threw a bullpen they're talking like he's going to come back within the next week I think they yeah. even said maybe this weekend I don't know he what you're going to get. He,
1: he did say that he still felt some discomfort He also said,
0: I will pitch in games this year. So, look, not my elbow, right? I'm not the one pushing through the pain, not my career, but he says he's coming back. So, we'll see what you can get. I don't think they move stroke from the closer role, certainly, but another arm out there, you see what you can get. So... This series was very frustrating. I, I left the ballpark on Monday and Wednesday rather despondent, Brendan. I will tell you guys, I'm, I'll break the fourth wall a little bit here. There really is no fourth wall. We're not playing characters. But, uh, or did I just break the fourth wall there? Did you guys know that? Uh, <laughs> but I will tell you that on Monday, I believe, in the history of Brendan and I knowing each other, which really doesn't predate this podcast very much, uh, maybe about like a few weeks. But I called Brendan after the game for an unaired, unrecorded conversation between, I guess we're friends in some respects. That's the first time have always called,
1: That's the first time you ever called me a friend. I am honored, Corey, that you just said that. Honored. But that's so
0: we're right there with you guys my, my point there is i i don't we i don't ever call brendan on the phone other than when we were recording a podcast i was so in my own head after that game on monday that i called brendan who had to talk me down that's where we are guys so we're right there with you but at the end of the day like 2015 they win 97 games they had to play in a wild card game it wasn't easy but that's how it was 2016 they ran you know pole to pole they were the best team in the league and that second poll was the end of the world series so it was literally from day one to november 3rd in the a.m they were the best team in the league it was easy of course it wasn't easy every day but in general it was sort of easy as, as it relates to baseball right 2017 they end up with a pretty large lead after that brewers series in september kind of calms down a little bit ends up being you know fairly relaxed as they headed into the playoffs there this isn't one of those all right it's just what it is it's it's a new sort of version of all of this but at the end of the day as we're recording this it's now recently just turned to september 13th thursday the cubs are in first place by a game they have a two-game lead in the loss column and i know that it you know right now i'm not necessarily sure that it's 100 percent the case but in the long run on the whole i will die on this hill all day they are better than the milwaukee brewers the chicago cubs are a better team than the milwaukee brewers they have 17 games to go out and prove it that's it this team has come through in immense bad situations before some of these guys have pulled through this coaching staff this front office this group us as fans we've all gone through way worse situations than this way higher odds to overcome you know everything right yeah this group can do it all right i i I would rather ride into battle with no other group than this Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, Zobrist, Lester, Hendricks, Quintana, Hamels. This group, this is our group. These are our guys. This was not a fun series. This is not the best situation. But they are in first place. They have 17 games to show us who we know they have been all along. This is a Dennis Green situation if I've ever seen one, Brendan. (laughs) The Cubs are who we thought they were. They have 17 games to go and prove it. If they don't, it doesn't mean that they weren't. It's just it it didn't come together. But they have 17 games to show us why they are the Chicago Cubs and why they have dominated, dominated this division and this league since 2015. So, like somehow by the end of this I've now worked myself up and I'm ready to go yeah, and like, then like screw the MLB screw Rob Manfred
1: let's screw go. the Nationals let's strap go. it on let's go yeah you know bring back that hashtag too you know at cubs bring back the let's hashtag let's go let's 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 get this going man um yeah I feel better I feel a little bit better hopefully man this 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 episode started off a little bit uh a little bit dark, but hopefully you made it through and uh, it, it lightened up. I don't know. I feel I feel better, Corey. I don't know how. I don't know why, but I feel a little bit better here.
0: Because I called
1: you a friend. Well, maybe that you know maybe that's what it is. You See what a little friendship does. We just need some more love in this world, Brendan. That's that's what it is, Corey. But yeah, that's 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 my lasting thought. I think if there's one thing we've been taught over the last three seasons, it's. This team is going to be resilient. They're going to give their absolute 110% effort. They're going to fight through adversity. They're going to strategize and come up with a, with an optimal plan to overcome any type of disadvantage they have. They've done that in the past. They did that in 2015, late in September. They did that. 2016 in the world series down three to one in game seven in which they won the world series they did that last year when they went on that very long hot stretch in the second half this is no different this is another adverse situation they have the firepower to do it yes they are fatigued yes they are struggling yes their young guys are trying to get it together Yes, I am still a little bit disconcerted, and I'm not going to lie. I'm probably going to lose some sleep tonight, but they are talented. They will field a lineup within the next few games of KB, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Daniel Murphy, and Ben Zobris, and so on and so on and so on. Those guys, if they start flailing for the next 17 games, then of course there's nothing you can do. But what's more likely? Is the entire lineup more likely to not hit 17 more games or is it more likely that maybe a few of those guys turn it around like you guys follow this team for for many years now you know what it's like i would say it's more likely for some of these guys to turn it around and kind of like my kind of like my attitude on this podcast is turning around a little bit but that's that's where i am and I, I i think by the end of next week we could be talking about a completely different perspective but yeah that's where i am Corey. i have really nothing else to say yeah,
0: I mean I I think that's about it. Um, you know, again, we've we've ridden through some some really interesting times, some dire times with this group and we've uh, you know, come out on the other side. So, you know, you guys have all been with us, been with this team for the entire year. You know, don't don't jump off now. Um we will we'll get through it all together, but it's it's 17 games, it's a few weeks and uh uh, I again I will I, I will ride on this ship. Listen, any any ship that John Lester is the captain of, you guys know <laughs> that I am going down on it. All right. One way or the other. We're either riding that thing to paradise or we are going down. And I'm more than happy to do either uh with John Lester by my side. But for now, uh that is all we have. Uh let us hope that the Cubs can Whoever is in that lineup tomorrow, or uh, excuse me, on Thursday against the Nationals, can steal a win. We get back to Wrigley and throw Cole Hamels, who has been lights out for this team, under the lights on Friday night. You know if they can steal that game in Washington, you come back, Cole Hamels, on a Friday night at Wrigley Field, it will be rocking, all right? And we will do everything in our power, those of us in attendance, to kind of give our energy to that team and and try to push them through until they can have an off day and and you know get a normal night's sleep but other than that i think that's all we have for you uh this has been the cubs related podcast presented by cubsinsider.com as always we thank you guys for listening i'll spare you guys the programming notes you know where to find us i, I just want the cubs to win guys all right i don't i, I don't care where do you guys listen to us? We're on Spotify, iTunes. You guys know the drill. I just want the Cubs to win. All right. So uh, that's it. Again, Cubs related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. As always, though, in truth, we thank you guys for listening. Um, you know, these episodes are interesting for us to record, but often very, I think, cathartic for the two of us. So it, it's, it's really cool for us uh, to, even in not the best circumstances, uh, you know, have this outlet for us. So we thank you guys for listening. We will come to you after the Cubs finish with Washington on Thursday and Cincinnati on Sunday. So we will talk to you guys on Sunday. We thank you guys for listening and for the love of everything that is good and holy
1: go Cubs.